This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. Even if it's giving feedback, like, okay, how do you like to receive feedback? And of course, there's like the public and private, but I also like asking the question of, okay, how do you want me to show up for you when you're falling behind your number, when you're at your number, when you're ahead of your number? That might look very different for each scenario. So I really want you to kind of give me the, like, let's map out the playbook of how we work together really well. And that includes the accountability partners. I think especially in a somewhat vulnerable situation of you're developing, you don't, you might not have tried things. A lot of people feel like that maybe they need to be perfect or they bluff a lot. And like, that's probably one of the most detrimental things to improving and learning and developing. So I want to try and keep like, create as much like psychological safety between my reps and myself as possible. So like if I say, hey, like, how do you want me to show up? And they tell me and I show up in that way, they're not surprised. So we are live with Gabriella Blackwell. Gabriella, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you, Jacob? I'm incredible. I really am. I'm blessed. I still exist. That always makes me feel good. I feel fortunate for the opportunity. But especially when I have an opportunity to speak to somebody incredible like you, Gabriella, LinkedIn influencer, yeah, the one-on-one newsletter, incredible sales management newsletter. If you're not subscribed, there will absolutely be a link in the show notes. Make sure you plug in. But also budding TikTok influencer. I feel like your TikToks are getting a little slept on right now. I'm not going to lie, Gabrielle. You're kind of killing it. Thank you. I feel like it's only a matter of time before you have that one that just goes crazy mega viral. You just got to do it. That's it. That's the message I've been telling all my reps. Am I allowed to swear on here? I swear a lot. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Um, No, I always, I tell my reps all the time. I'm like, it's literally the tagline in our Slack and our team Slack. Like, just fucking do it. Like, yes. Yeah. So that's it. I'm like, whatever, even building up stuff on LinkedIn and content and whatever, like you just got to just do it. And at some point in time, the gates open up. You just got to be willing to keep going and then pivot as you need. I love it. And speaking of gates opening up and just doing it, development plans. Like there's no better way to help open up the gates for the future goals of your employees and your organization than by creating effective development plans. And I want to get straight to the value here for our audience. I know their time is money. We want to make sure they get the most out of this podcast so they're tuning into LinkedIn Live. What y'all doing on Thursday? You're not doing nothing. <laughs> You're not doing nothing. <laughs> they should be working just... on development plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me, Gabriel. Why are, and do you prefer GB or Gabriella? I usually call you GB, but I feel like on the podcast, just let's go with GB. Yeah. I was trying to chat you off to the side. So it's just, it's Gabrielle. No, uh, at what the What am end. I doing? Like my friend so is right- on the podcast and I'm not pronouncing her name correctly. What is wrong with my life? What am I doing right now? <laughs> Oh my gosh, what a mess. But GGB. No, we're just excited. We're excited. Like, you're the only person that's called me Gabriella, and I haven't been like, delete, cancel. Okay, I got it. I got the pass. Uh, The one time pass. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We're buddies. We're buddies. I go by either one, GB or Gabrielle. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with GB, Joe, so I can keep myself protected in the safe zone. (laughs) Help yourself. Yeah. For people like you. Why are development plans so important? What's the impact we can we can expect in our organization, but also for the people on our teams? So sometimes I think the best way to answer a question is to talk about what happens if you 
don't do it. So like, what's the importance of a development plan? I like to think of it as what's the risk of not developing your reps and not having some kind of operating rhythm or cadence or structure within it to make sure that you're holding yourself accountable as a manager and as a leader. And I would say that the biggest risk is number one. I mean, honestly, like people might not reach their full potential. That could be one. Like, I think that's like, okay, the worst of it is you have somebody who's a top performer who is developing, who takes ownership of their development as well. And they don't feel like they have the opportunities that honestly they deserve. And so they go and they find those opportunities elsewhere. So I think if you have top performers who are leaving your organization, you have people who have potential, but it's not converting over into actual performance. I would venture to say you run the risk of people's morale dropping quite a bit and having just kind of a disgruntled workforce. And so all in all, it just makes for an absolutely awful experience, I would say, like both for the people as well as for the manager, too. So one of the best things that you can do and probably one of the most effective things that you can do to like boost morale, increase engagement, like even cultivate an environment of kind of collaboration and creativity is to stimulate that development of your people through your one-on-ones, through your team trainings, through your cadence of like development conversations as well. And making sure that you're not only keeping development conversations isolated to performance reviews. So like that's what I think about of why you should start to either invest or mature your development practice as a manager and as a leader. I love it. And you touched on the retention aspect of it, especially with your top performers, because these are people that want to be challenged. They want to get better. They want to earn more money. And if you are in a place where you can help them develop skills that will either allow them to get promotions where they can earn more, earn more commission checks if they're in sales organizations, but sometimes even just put them in a position where they can help you earn more as a company so you can give them that raise that will help retain them. I think it's a a critical element that gets missed. And I hear a lot of business leaders talk about they can't afford to pay their employees more. They're losing their good employees because of this. And then you ask, okay, what, what kind of development were you investing in them? And you, know, you kind of get a bit of a pause, unfortunately. Yeah, he's always hurting us because I was laughing at my dog trying to creep in here. She's never sat up that high on that couch. And I think it's hilarious that today is the day that she decided to do that. She wants to be on this. She knows <laughs> so, there's a good energy in this podcast. He's trying to be be involved. Like, wait a minute, I'm not in here. Like, I told that's mischief. That's uh, Missy misdemeanor, <laughs> mischief, mischievous. So one thing I think is a really important is when you're talking to the reps on your team and you're thinking about development, I'd highly recommend making sure your development plans are informed by their motivations and what they want to do. So are there people who are top performers and they want to make more money? Absolutely. Right. And if your company doesn't offer those opportunities, if that's their true why, if that's the thing that drives them and motivates them and keeps them like going, then It's tough, right? It's tough, I think, as a manager or as a leader of that organization to do something about that. However, what if we come to find out the thing that drives our top performance is this thirst and this hunger for learning and for development and for being cultivated, right? And so what if just because they're a top performer and yes, they can earn more money, like If you don't have that money or that promotion opportunity open, a lot of companies are not going to because of what's happening in the economy. And I wrote like an entire series of newsletters on this, right, is one of the things that you can do to keep your people motivated 
is to focus in on, again, like one, what is their why? Secondly, what do they need to be highly skilled at? And then thirdly, how are you going to continue to grow them and develop them? Because maybe at some point in time, there is going to be an opportunity at your company that opens up. You want to make sure that your rep is the person that everybody thinks of first when the opportunity presents itself. Or, right, let's say that you cannot retain that person, but you as a mentor, you as a manager, one of the things that you can do to stand out in this person's career is be that ultra encouraging and supportive boss in their life. So one of the things I like to share with my team is like, hey, we can't necessarily control what opportunities open up at this company that we're at right now. However, one of the things that we can do that's a success for both you and myself is prepare you for that opportunity that you really want, that when it's going to come up, you're going to be the best person for it. So whether that's here at our organization or somewhere else, like a success for me as a manager is making sure that you get to where you want to go. I don't care where that is as long as you get there. So, you know, one of the things I think you can do, again, to to make some people just want to feel cared for, you know, and so then no amount of money can make up for the fact that their manager doesn't care about them as a person and what they want to do and their goals and their ambition. So I would venture to believe that some people will stay at a place because they feel like even if I'm not making as much money right this very second in time, I'll be better set up in the future, right? If I am able to grow and develop in the way that I know I can, and I have someone there who is like encouraging me to do that, like a track coach, right? Yes. Yeah. Some people don't have that person in their, their life. And I'm curious to hear who that was for you. For me, I was lucky to have my dad, like from 16 to 30, like I pretty much was like the party guy. I just drank on the weekends and like, it would have been really easy for my dad to just like give up on me. But like, he was always there to like reinforce, like you can make things happen in your life. You're so talented in these areas. But some people just don't have that person in their life to tell them, to help fill their cup up, to help show them their potential. And as a leader, creating development plans for your team is an incredible way to show them the value that they bring and that they haven't reached their potential yet but they're capable of reaching these goals that might seem out of reach for them until you create a path to get there. Yeah, I feel like I've had a number of people in my life in general, like one of the questions I really like asking folks on my team if we just start working together is, you know, like, hey, like tell me about somebody who's had a really positive impact on you, right? Like it might've been a teacher, a parent, a coach, a professor, you name it, like who is this person? And how did they show up? Like, what were their behaviors? And as a manager, what I'm really trying to figure out is, okay, there are certain things that people do that really bring out the best in someone. And so if I can align myself and align my behaviors to that in a very, you know, genuine way, then I think that we can probably work together very, very well, or we at least increase the chances of working very well. So when I think about you know, someone were to ask me that question, like I think about my volleyball coach from high school, Miss Pankratz, and I think about like my AP calculus teacher in high school, uh, Mr. A- uh, Iverson. His name was Alan Iverson, AI, the truth, right? Or <laughs> so the truth and the answer. So, you know, I think these were like with Mr. Iverson, I wanted to get my number one school is the University of Chicago. And it's not to say that I didn't have the best grades, but like I wasn't the very, very top of the class, but I was in all AP classes. I was in National Honor Society. Like I did very, very well. and was recognized for my academic things. But for whatever reason, I didn't see myself as like being deserving of that opportunity. And so I just remember him telling me one day he's like, because there was a one other person at who, who was two years older than me in high school who went to University of Chicago. 
And I held him in high regard. He's one of my best friends, older brothers. And I just remember Mr. Iverson was like, listen, if Jake can go to university, can get into University of Chicago, so can you, right? And he's like, I'll work with you. Like, whatever you feel like is a gap, we'll work on that. And so, you know, I, I think I've been very blessed. Like, I think about my senior year, my teacher, Miss Letzel, right? Like, she's like, you are this, like, it was a little bit of tough love, but she's like, you are the dumbest smart girl I've ever met. And what she meant by this was, like, you are so smart and sometimes you don't see that in yourself. So I think I've, I've had a, I have my family, my mom stepped in at really pivotal times in my career or in my life where I was like down and out, feeling like, damn, I need to give up. And my mom straight up looked me in the face and was like, Gabrielle, I feel like you're about to give up and you shouldn't. So getting emotional thinking about that. But, I, you know, I think I've had that I think about my boss now, like Sunny Panu, like we were peers at Gong. And so I came to Culture Amp because I really believed that he and I could work really well together and that his style of leadership was one that was going to bring out a better side of me than maybe I had experienced at companies previously. And so, you know, like we started working on our growth plans. And when I go into my one-on-ones and I'm telling him how I'm feeling, I go to growth, like my growth went up. And so you saw every other part of my experience go up as well. So, you know, I think wherever you can find a lot of people who want to root for you, like people like rooting for winners. And people root for people who they believe can be winners. So I think you just got to find the people who see you and believe that you're a winner regardless. Yes, I think sometimes it just takes that strength lens, which is what I'm hearing from a as a common theme from a lot of the mentors that you've worked with in your life where they saw the value that you brought, even in times where you didn't see it. And I think sometimes things come so naturally to us that we just assume that everybody is good at the things that we're good at. But the reality that's is not true at all, right? There are things that each of us bring uniquely to the table that has value. And as a leader, we can recognize those things and encourage our team to do more of them and also use them as a foundation to build off of when we think of creating actual development plans. Now, when you think of development plans, are you think, do you have a specific structure that you use? Are there tools that you use that help you uh, create effective plans? Or what does that process generally look like when you're creating them for yourself or for the people around you? All right. So everything that I have is like, I'll be honest, it's kind of barbaric. It's like very rudimentary and maybe the simpler, the better. Um, Because I've been at organizations where we try to like standardize all these things and all these systems. And I think there are some things that you need to standardize, like your competencies. I think you should always start off with your competencies. Like what do people actually need to do to do the job well, right? And so- Yeah, for those that may not have competencies in their organization, can you elaborate a little bit on the value and what those are? Yeah. So when I think of, and listen, I'm just, I'm going to cowboy this definition. I'm going to, I'm going to gabify it right now. So when I think about like competencies, it's basically just like, hey, there are certain categories of like skills that people are going to need to have some level of proficiency in to do well in the job to perform. I'm not talking about overperformance. I'm just talking about to deliver on the job. There are certain almost like criteria, right, or requirements that people absolutely have to have from a proficiency level to perform in the role. The end, right? And so let's say for from my end, one of the things that I've been doing, I've created like a competency map at previous organizations that I've been at. And so when I'm thinking about the company that I'm at right now, what I've really started to do is as I'm recognizing the importance of making sure that people are developing, like we didn't have anything in place that says, here's exactly like what the competency matrix needs to look like. So what I'm doing is I just started tracking in my one-on-ones, like, all right, hey, we're going through your numbers, we're going through your performance, uh, we're seeing how you're trending against 
performance expectations, either, you know, trending towards it, behind it, right on track. And then we're going to try to identify like what are like one or two things that are holding you back that if we tackled this and you got really good at it, came proficient in the competency, right? Like you'd start trending towards your performance goals. And so what I, I just started tracking that in a spreadsheet for each person on my team. And what I started to realize is there are categories that pop up. So for a sales development rep or even let's say a salesperson, like one part of it could be calls, right? And it, there's all different kinds of calls, but I'm like, all right, I just want to do calls is one category. And we're going to work on that for two weeks, specifically objection handling within calls, right? Or it might be like one of the things that I'm starting to notice with one of my reps who's a little bit more senior. And so like in terms of calls and emails and leveraging social and things like that, really solid. However, I'm seeing that there's an opportunity for her to perform better or to have more mastery in her position that also help her transfer over into the next role should she get promoted would be like leveraging Salesforce. So I'm like, cool, I've got a tech stack competency as well. And Salesforce is a part of that. So I think one of the things that you could always do is just if you don't know where to start, you don't have to build anything just yet. Just observe your people and then take note of that for a few weeks and then just see what kinds of trends pop up. And usually some categories are going to bubble up. That's the way that I do it. I have a simple spreadsheet that I use. And what I said, it's kind of, it's just rudimentary for me right now. And so like every week, and again, I have two one-on-ones with my team per week. We've got our again, pacing for performance review on like a Tuesday. And then we've got our coaching and development on a Thursday. So it's like, what's the theme of that coaching session? If we're talking about calls, that's what it is. If we're talking about prospecting and like research, finding the right person, that's what it is. If it's business acumen, that's what it is, right? And so I'm just writing that down. And then if I'm having six one-on-ones or six different one-on-ones with six different people per week, what I start to recognize is I'm like, oh, cool. Now I've got a set of probably eight competency groups that is that. If there's more that pops up later on, I'll make room for it. But right now, everything kind of filters into these eight things. And those eight things break out into more, yeah, right? Yep. But like, these are the main eight categories of like, this is what it takes. These are the things that people absolutely have to do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis to do well in the role. Yeah. And what I love about it is it gives the organization a common language they can use when they're talking about development. And it ensures that you can empower your managers to create development plans for their team but you have this kind of umbrella that makes sure that will verify that whatever they're working on with their team is aligned with the goals of the company. So I think that's a critical element just to make sure that your executives, your founders, you know, your VPs are aligned with this group of competencies and that they support these initiatives is invaluable. Yeah. And there's a start to, I think there's the aligning to like the overall business goals, which again, for like a sales role, it's like, hey, like we need to deliver an output that's clearly measurable, right? So for us, okay, like we're supporting driving revenue and growth of the organization and that's a very straight line towards it. There is also another piece of this that's beneficial too in conversations with reps and making sure that they always know where we stand in terms of their development as well. So for example, if I go into a one-on-one with someone and we identify that there's an area to work on, I'm like, hey, so just a heads up, based off of what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, right? It seems like here are some of the key challenges that you're experiencing, right? Are we on the same page? If we are, cool. So here's what I do on my side is I'm tracking what are our development areas on a week-to-week basis. And I'm putting this as your development area for this week, right? We'll do a check-in next week and see like, hey, like, do both you and I feel confident and comfortable that you've 
go on to the next level on this that we can move along. But if we have it, right, we're going to continue to work on that, period, right? So I think it's a really great way to make sure that you and your rep are in the same place or seeing things in the same way from a team perspective as well. What I can also do is I can start to manage that up with my boss and say, hey, one of the things that I'm noticing is across the board, my team is struggling in this specific area. Like, here's how I'm approaching this. And also, what are like, are there other resources in the organization that we have to help speed up the time to getting this development? Of course, I always want to align it to something that's going to drive performance or engagement or something like that. And it not just be like, oh, I think it'd be fun to do. And I think third part to this too is like, let's say that you have your competencies mapped out and you have like with a sales development function, we really are a feeder program for talent into the rest of the organization. So one of the things that's very helpful of this competency model is, or having it mapped out is then, let's say, Jacob, you are like a small, medium-sized business like a sales leader, right? Or you're a CS leader, an AM leader, whatever. What I can do, and we know that there's talent from my team that's going to go on to yours. What I can do is go, hey, Jacob, like here's our competencies. Here's what you would expect from somebody at this level to reach this level of proficiency. What are your competencies for the positions that these people would come to fill, right? And so then let's identify the gaps and start to think about transition plans so that when someone from my team comes onto your team, you know exactly what you're getting, they have some exposure, and that we're able to address the gaps before they have an opportunity to fail in your organization. Love it. And I think also leveling up, right? Stepping to that next level up, you can talk about how the skill is relevant to becoming a manager or a director or a VP, whatever the next level is for that particular individual related to competencies. And so now that we have the competencies developed, what the next step, I know you're getting to it earlier, but putting the actual plan together, what does that look like for you? You have a very simple structure right here and I'm excited to learn about it. It really is super simple. Like in column A, <laughs> like, like column A is like the date of our development conversation. Column B is the competency category. Column C is, or is there an aspect of that competency that we're specifically working on? So for example, like with my team, it might be prospecting, but specifically leveraging video, right? Like we're testing out different channels and that might be one specific person's competency area because they said that I want to get better at this. This is how I believe I can get more results. And also I think it'd be fun to do, right? So it, they're interested in it and it also intersects with some kind of business performance metric that we're looking at. So then from there, we'll actually map out. So um, that's column C. So column D is then, all right, let's say Jacob, you and I are talking. And so I'm like, all right, cool. You want to incorporate videos. How many videos do you want to incorporate this week? Right. We're going to set a goal. Cool. Now, what do you feel like you need to do in order to hit that? They'll tell me about their process. All right, sounds like you need to understand these two or three things to make sure you do this effectively. What's your path to like equipping yourself with those three things? All right, cool. Like here's what I need to do, right? I need to go and develop in these three ways and then go talk to these three people. Wonderful. Now the next column is, all right, now how can I show up for you as an accountability partner to support you in this? All right, GB, I need you to just like give me a quick check in note on Thursday that whatever is like, all right, cool. And then the next piece of this is, all right, now you and I are aligned. So next week when we meet again, right, what are your commits? Okay, I'm going to send 10 videos. Cool. And then I come back in. We come back the next week. And so in the next week, again, I, I have all my notes there. I know exactly what we're working on, 
how we're going to measure success as well. I know what our conversion rates are too. So like we can see how videos are going to impact performance. And so it's just a check mark from there. And then maybe we go, cool, you're supposed to do these three things. How did it go? What worked well? What didn't? What do you feel like you're still confused by? And then let's address that to fill that gap. And so once we're able to see the results we want to see, or we've tested that process out and it hasn't given us results for like two, three weeks, then I think we can revisit and go, okay, maybe this is not the thing. Doesn't mean you stop it, but maybe there's something in addition that we should be trying that you can start to develop it. I love it. So you're kind of playing the coach and the mentor role in a lot of these conversations. Yep. I'm curious, are you also adding supplemental material like videos people can watch or books to read? And how does that play a role in the development plan within your teams? Yeah, I do have like a section on there for like resources shared. So let's say that I'm introducing a concept that hasn't been taught or people are not super familiar with. It could be something as simple as doing like a quick Google search, right? I'll kind of coach people on like coming up with their own answers So there's probably many times I've been in one-on-ones and went to go share my screen and just opened up Google and then asked the question. I'm like, y'all can do this for yourself as well. But there are certain things that I'll do, such as like, hey, like let's introduce a new style of questioning. So if we've been taught challenger, the thing that they're really struggling with might align more to spin selling. I just want them to be aware of that, of the concepts, and then we'll come up with maybe one or two questions that emulate that spin style and incorporate it in. And then I'm like, all right, you know, if you want like further reading, here are the resources for it. But otherwise, like maybe what we covered is more than enough. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to like share a new concept or a theme with someone and then provide them the opportunity of if you really want to nerd out, this resonates a lot and you want more information, it's there for you. Otherwise, like this kind of summary should be more than enough. I love that the emphasis of your plans are the action because that's how people are going to learn best is by actually doing and then getting feedback. And a big part of development is the uh, the coaching, the recognition, and the accountability that comes with it as well. What do those look like as part of the follow-up to the conversations when you're working with your, your team? Yeah, I mean, you said it really well, which is like it's the action, right? It's like I said, the alchemy happens in the action more than anything else. So if we're just sharing things just for the sake of sharing. That's a and bar all... right there. The alchemy happens in the action. I'm going to tweet that later. <laughs> tweet I'm it. Give you, tweet I'm going to quote you on it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you. This is the first time I've ever said it. I was like, Ooh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I'm not going to overthink it, right? So it's more like, I always like to think about it in this way of if I'm about to have, I'm going to go and have a conversation with someone for myself. I'll ask myself the question, what are three things that I want this person to walk away with, right? So if I'm wrapping something up, if I'm going into a coaching conversation, it's more like, hey, I want to walk away from this and I want my reps to walk away with like one thing, one very specific thing that they can do, like they can walk out of that meeting and apply it to the role right away, right? Like that to me is a signal of success, of a successful coaching and development conversation, so I love that that focus because it lets you be the uh, the cheerleader afterwards. We can recognize them for a job well done. It's very clear what's expected. They understand how you're going to be following up with them and that you're going to be. And so the outcome is you get to recognize them for doing a good job. So they feel better, more confident leading that conversation. Because a lot of times you miss that step and people don't know exactly what they're supposed to do. Or there's a lack of clarity. And so it's impossible for them to execute. And now the follow-up conversation is you didn't do it right, even though they might have been giving like 100% effort. And that's a much different experience than being able to follow up and say you crushed it. So, 
It goes, yeah, it's both ways, right? Because I think the benefit of us having one specific thing, like, hey, like, how do we know that we've done a good job? And I think there's this importance of saying we, right? Because one, I want, I got this from, I forgot what his name is, but he's a coach of Serena Williams. And he's featured in an episode of this docuseries on Netflix. I think it's called like the play, the coach's playbook or something like that. And he's talking about his ten, like for tennis players. He's like, he always wants his players to, even if they're a singles competitor, uh, he never wants his people to feel like they're alone, right? So he's like, no, like, I'm here with you. You're not alone. It's us, whatever. And that really resonated for me. And especially in a role, it's like a sales role where it can feel a lot of the times like it's you against literally thousands of people that you don't feel alone on things or that when a rep goes from being potentially rejected all day that they turn around to the one person in the world who could probably have the biggest impact on them and that that person you don't want them to feel like oh man my manager is going to reject me too so i think yeah the piece that you're mentioning of making it easy to recognize when we're doing a good job i think even for me it's it helps me recognize that i'm doing a good job too so if we're walking away and my rep is confused i want to think to myself as a manager what are the things that i could do that like or where can i be better right there comes a point in time where i have to say like you know what? i've done everything that i can then i want to drive accountability but if i'm starting to see a theme and a trend across all of my reps that like nobody knows what they're doing and like i don't know exactly where performance should be or where development should be like that feels like a reflection on me so that's the first part but yeah i think there is something that's really nice in the coaching motion of for a rep of like all right cool you want to incorporate video into your outreach like I'll use the like the SMART goal thing. I still don't know what all those acronyms means, but I'm like, whatever, who cares? But I was like, hey, like, let's make this as like a SMART goal, right? So number one is like, all right, let's have like some unit of measurement that's there. And like, how do you know when it's done? And when do you need to actually get it done by? And by, the, and by us having this conversation and me asking them those questions, it's not me telling them what to do. It's them going, oh, here's exactly what I need to do. So that's where the coaching comes in like for my role. And they're like, okay, I, me asking them questions, they now have their playbook, they're owning it. It's what they said, not what I said, right? And then when I ask the question of, okay, you've got this goal, you need to do these things and you say you're going to get them done by this time. How do you want me to show up for you to support you in this, right? Like, what does it look like for me to hold you accountable? Like, so I, I, I don't know, I really like the idea of consent applied within the dynamic of an employee and their manager because i think that there's an imbalance of power that's there so or there can be anyway so i always want to ask people the question of like okay even if it's giving feedback like okay how do you like to receive feedback and of course there's like the public and private but i also like asking the question of okay how do you want me to show up for you when you're falling behind your number when you're at your number when you're ahead of your number that might look very different for each scenario. So I really want you to kind of give me the, like, let's map out the playbook of how we work together really well. And that includes the accountability partners. I think especially in a somewhat vulnerable situation of your developing, you don't, you might not have tried things. A lot of people feel like that maybe they need to be perfect or they bluff a lot. And like, that's probably one of the most detrimental things to improving and learning and developing. So I want to try and keep like, create as much like psychological safety between my reps and myself as possible so like if i say hey like how do you want me to show up and they tell me and i show up in that way they're not surprised versus if they don't tell me how to show up i show up in a way and it's stressful for them yeah. it's just a slower development down yeah, it is that collaboration piece and it's amazing what people will tell you if you just ask and take the time to listen and just 
show that you're genuinely curious, but also take action after they give you the, the feedback or they give you ideas or they tell you something about themselves. Um, like people want to set you up for success. They want to be at a place that where they feel welcomed and encouraged and they'll give you the answers if you take time to listen. Oh, 100%. So transitioning from one development plan to the next after you set them up for success, you develop competencies, you built a plan, they crush it. What does that transition look like to the, the next piece? Yes. So I'm thinking about for the way that I've had this mapped out and I still need to like check out how this applies to my current company. But my last company, what I had done was, so like I had mapped out our competencies and then with each competency, they were kind of given a ranking, right? So which ones are absolutely essential? So these are the competencies that we are assessing for during the interview process. If they don't have it, they don't get hired. The end, right? So those might be certain more like intangibles, like their mindset and their motivation, for example, a solutions orientation. So these are just things that are not specific to the role itself, but just I can't coach somebody necessarily to want to do the work. They got to want to do it initially. And then my job is to keep them engaged and keep them wanting to do it. So uh, you have that. Then there's the things that are like, okay, now they're going to have their first 90 days and they're going to be on a ramp quota, let's say for a salesperson. So what do they need to know in those first 90 days in order to be successful? And that's really what we're going to onboard them on. And so those competencies are going to be the ones that are going to influence their onboarding experience. So they're going to have that and they need to master that. Then there's going to be the like, okay, like now that we have like the essentials, we've got the foundational, maybe there's that like next level of like the adept person. So I think for this one, it's like, all right, there comes a point in time where it's not just activities alone. Like, Sure, they know how to use a system. Sure, they know how to build a report. Sure, they know how to make calls. But now I want to see them at a certain like conversion level of performance. So like, let's say like I want them to be, I want them to have this level of conversion on conversations. Like they should be, for every prospect they work, they should get this many meetings or this many conversations out of them. And then what are the competencies that are going to help them get there? So maybe this, at this point in time, it's more about all right, we're teaching you, like you, we should have some level of business acumen and product acumen, those kinds of things that are going to be developed over three to six months. So that's the next piece. And then I, in, for SDRs, like our life cycle might be shorter than other roles just by the nature of it. But I think in that fourth quarter, like we've got the four quarters, but in the fourth quarter, it's more about okay, like these are folks who we believe they've gotten to this level, like they should be performing at 100% consistently. We probably want to start to stimulate a little bit more creativity, a little bit more innovation. We want to get them stretching in terms of their abilities in ways that, of course, will help them in the SDR role, but are probably going to help them more in a different role. So thinking about presentations, since this role is more so inside, we're, we're, we don't have as much like Zoom face-to-face -face interaction or even real-life face-to-face interaction. So we want to get them introduced into those scenarios. We also want to get them building their brand internally. Like, So I have brand visibility and reputation as part of a competency. So it's like, all right, like you need to be networking. I want you to have an internal mentor. Like, How many coaching sessions are you going to? And are you leveraging like the resources that are available to you as well? And then also within that time is like we're starting to look at all right, what are the gaps that you have between the role that you're in right now and the role that you want to go into? And so that's really where we're starting to think about, all right, how do we get you prepared for the next role after that? So 
Yeah, I think there's kind of like, again, there's like the four quarters that we have, the essential, the foundation, all the adept, maybe the stretch, right, for them. And then after that, right, is like this, maybe like it's like overtime a little bit is the, all right, now let's really make sure that as much as we possibly can, you're starting to build up your proficiencies and roll in a way that's like not even applicable to this role, but will help you in the next one. I love it. And I think one of the, uh, like as a leader, one of the most fulfilling elements is you see that person grow from a place where maybe they're struggling in their role and now they're flourishing, they're thriving, and they're like looking at that next role. They're starting to think about themselves differently. They're providing for their family differently. They just walk around with more confidence, which they take home with them. They take into their community. And as leaders, like we have the ability to have this impact on people's lives it not only benefits them, like it benefits the organization as well, because now you have a more talented person that is executing whatever the the initiative is at the moment. So GB, Gabrielle, I apologize again for saying your name correctly. That will never, that will never, I'm blaming on lack of sleep. You know, Becca had a 6.30 in the morning meeting with me this morning and I, I'm blaming that for the mispronunciation. No worries. I'll just call you Jakob from Please now do. On. I would make me feel better. <laughs> don't, don't, don't no. Take the guilt away a little bit. You, no, 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 Just no, no. Just call me Jared for a while or something. No, I would never. <laughs> absolutely not. Not Jared from Subway. Not that no. guy. No, not him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not him. Not him. Not him. <laughs> but GB, I appreciate you so much. And be sure to subscribe to The 101. We will leave a link in the show notes so you can check that out. We'll put on the LinkedIn Live video as well for you all. Every week I get value. It's and like you're pretty new to the newsletter game. You've been crushing on LinkedIn for a while, so I know your your writing skills are there. You know how to connect and teach uh, via the written word. But for how brand new you are at, at the newsletter game, you're always providing incredible value, super thought out, and I can't recommend getting in touch enough. Yes, no, I was gonna say it's only been three months of posting of doing. Not I think on the ninth. The ninth is my three month anniversary. Yeah, Incredible. and we're almost at ten thousand subscribers. Let's go! That's a big deal. Like that ten k number, it feels it hits a little different. It feels good when you see that. And I mean, three months to be at ten k, and I feel blessed to be part of Work Week. And it's awesome having someone like you on the team. Thank you. So thank you for for all that you do, all your success. And I can't wait to see this time next year. You know where where both of us are at. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. I've really appreciated this conversation. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.